Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Let's see here. Today is uh, 8 October. It's Sunday. It's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And uh, we had a real blessing today. I got to ask, what's your name there? You're uh, related to Ray or? Uh, no. I work with a son-in-law. Oh, okay. So what's your name? Robert. Robert. We have somebody here named Robert that I'd never seen before. And I saw you and then I kind of overlooked. It was good to have you here, sir. And uh, then we also have somebody that just walked in right off of the uh, street, and and I was like, where are you all from? And they're from Spring, Texas, all the way from Spring, Texas. It's uh, Ryan and Yvette, and uh, here they are, right from Spring, Texas. So we thank you so much for making this effort. It's a real, real joy to see that. And um, then uh, let's see here. I uh, Just so everybody knows, I'm not a sports guy, but uh, when somebody sends me a bandana, I always wear it. And so this is the same guy that sent the uh, Confederate bandana last week, uh, sent me a uh, what does it say on there? It's Seattle Seahawks. It's a Seattle Seahawks bandana. And um, no political statement there on my part. I'm just thanking him for uh, sending it all the way from, you know, his uh, place where he does the, uh, uh, he's somebody I highlighted some time ago on the Prophecy Update, and he sent me these bandanas. And I very much appreciate that, John. So uh, there you go with that. And our first category, as always, is Israel. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to talk about, just so you know, probably all over every prophecy update in the world is Las Vegas, and there are 10,000 conspiracy theories going on out there, and I'm not going to address that at all. I just have one thing about Las Vegas, which is tied into Israel. After the massacre, Jewish Las Vegas mayor, which I didn't know until yesterday, says that Israel lives with this every day. And so you think of it, you know, it's true. They have to face this type of thing every day. And this is a, an unusual occurrence in our lives. But uh, these people have to suffer with that because of the people that are around them that do not like them, that want to push them out into the sea. And God has divinely brought Israel back into the land. They're not going to be pushed into the sea, but they're also not saved people for the most part. And uh, they're going to suffer through the tribulation period. The book of Zechariah says that two-thirds of them will not make it through. So uh, this is a, a sad thing. I, as I've said before, the very last prayer that I pray every single night of my life before I say, come Lord Jesus, which is the last thing I say, but my last prayer for somebody else is for Israel because we want their hearts to be open to the gospel. We want them to know uh, Jesus Christ in his fullness and what he did for them. Having said that, we're starting a three-part Day of Atonement series today. And so I, I would hope that every person that watches the Prophecy Update, and every time I say this, you get how many uh, views on the Prophecy Update and you get about a tenth of that many on the uh, sermons. So I can ask and people still don't do it. But if you want to understand what the Day of Atonement signifies, watch this three-part series. And uh, I will say this much about the sermon in advance. It is fulfilled. The Day of Atonement is fulfilled. We're not looking for a future Day of Atonement fulfillment. We're not looking for that in any way. And I will explain that right at the beginning of the uh, sermon today. But I would ask that you would please watch that and you would understand what Christ has done for us, and you would understand how it relates to Israel specifically. If you want to know why they're in the pickle they're in, there you go. David Tomlin's sermon will take care of that for you. Okay, from Globes, U.S. Senate boosts Israel's missile defense program. 
House did this. Senate has now done it, as it is usually done for many years. The U.S. Senate voted to increase U.S. aid to Israel for development and production of anti-missile defense systems. The aid was part of the DOD's budget for the 2018 fiscal year. The U.S. House of Representatives approved the same amount for the Israeli Missile Defense Program in July. Such congressional supplements to U.S. aid for Israel will not occur again for the next 10 years. Congress thus took advantage of its last opportunity until 2029 to increase U.S. aid for Israel's weapons procurement. Starting in 2019, Israel will be unable to ask the U.S. Congress for an increase in military aid beyond what is written in the Memorandum of Understanding signed by the two countries for military aid in the coming decade. The Trump admin proposed granting Israel $147 million for its anti-missile programs in the budget 2018 fiscal year. At Israel's request, the Senate increased the grant amount by $558 million to $705 million. U.S. aid for the missile programs is unlinked to annual military aid. It comes from the U.S. Department of Defense budget, while military aid is part of the U.S. foreign aid budget. In addition to the $705 million for missile defense, Israel will thus also receive $3.1 billion in regular military aid, an annual amount set by a 10-year Israel-U.S. Memorandum of Understanding. Our Congress and our, it's the only thing, it is the only thing that I believe the people on the left of this nation have done right in as long as I can remember is to support Israel. Other than that, every single policy that they have, every single thing that they do is anti-God. It's unmoral. It is, in my estimate, disgusting. But they do support Israel. And as we saw, we had, I think it was 99 of 100 senators uh, came out with that resolution to support Israel, and they're also funding them. So I'm very happy about this. And um, we'll go on to the next article from Jerusalem. What's that? Sheep Nation, there you go. We hope so. You never know what's going to happen after the rapture, but from Jerusalem Online, Israel grants UNESCO, you know, it's just, it's so cool how uh, Israel is. They do things that are just, uh, it's like a little knife in the side of the uh, UNESCO here. Israel grants UNESCO a replica of the Arch of Titus as proof of Jewish connection to Jerusalem. We know that UNESCO has signed resolution after resolution after resolution saying there is no Jewish history in the land of Israel. We know that's absolutely insane. We know that even the stones cry out and say this in Israel, but the Arch of Titus, which is in Rome, has a depiction of the menorah and all of the things that were taken out of the temple in Jerusalem being marched through the streets of Rome. Okay, that's documented history. It's over 2,000 years old, or it is 2,000 years old. And so what did they do? They had a replica of this made, and they gave it to UNESCO to say, all of these resolutions, here, take this. So here we go. Israel gave UNESCO a replica of the Arch of Titus, an ancient work of architecture depicting the 70 CE Roman siege of Jerusalem. The decision to grant the unique present was made after UNESCO passed a controversial resolution that referred to Israel as an occupying power. In East Jerusalem, Israel's Prime Minister Netanyahu ordered to create a replica of the famous arch through which Roman soldiers marched after the destruction of the Second Temple and gave it to UNESCO as a reminder of the Jewish people's historic connection to the Old City. The replica was granted to UNESCO during a ceremony which was attended by the organization's Director General Irina Bokova. 
For many years, Jews would not pass through the Arch of Titus, seeing it as a symbol of the destruction and humiliation, said Israel's envoy to UNESCO. Carmel Shama HaKohen, in an absurd turn of events, this very element is now being used to prove the Jewish people's connection to Temple Mount, the Western Wall, and the whole of Jerusalem. So it's just, and you know, you look in the Bible, the Bible's full of irony as well. Well, we've got it being played out in history, right right in front of uh, these numbskulls up at the UN by uh, Israel. I just, I, I love it, that little poke in the side there. From the Jerusalem Post, Pentagon gives green light to install Israeli defense system on U.S. tanks. You know, they are at the forefront of all technology. The Israelis are way ahead of the rest of the world. Um, I won't include it in one of my updates, but uh, um, they have taken all of the Hellfire missiles that they used to have on their helicopters in Israel, and they've replaced them with their own, which are far, far superior. The reason why this happened is because our previous president during the uh, Gaza war denied them Hellfire missiles. Okay, he denied our ally in the Middle East this so they could not protect themselves from these bombs that are being hurled into Israel. And so they said, we're going to have to develop our own bombs because we cannot rely on the United States anymore. Now, it's changed since we have a new and decent president, but they have developed a missile that is vastly superior to the, uh, what, the Hellfire missiles. They can fly out of sight, whereas before they couldn't. They're, instead of uh, fly-by-wire, they're fly-by-digital something. They're vastly better. And so they're not relying on the U.S. for that type of stuff, but the U.S. is relying on them for our technology. Here's what it says. The USA has approved the installation of Israel's Trophy Active Protection System on a number of its M1A2 Abrams tanks making it the first army aside from the IDF to use the system. The Pentagon said the decision was made following an urgent material request designed to detect and neutralize incoming projectiles. The trophy system has four radar antennae and fire control radars to track incoming threats such as anti-tank guided missiles and rocket-propelled grenades. Once a projectile is detected, trophy fires a shotgun type of blast to neutralize this incoming threat. Developed by Israel's Rafael Advanced Defense Systems and Israel Aircraft Industries, Elta Group, it is the only fully operational and combat-proven APS in the world. Michigan-based General Dynamics Land Systems was contracted to add the system to an Armor Brigade Combat Team's M1A2 SEPV-2 at a cost of close to $10 million with an expected completion date by the end of March 2019. And we're going to see people saved because of this technology, because you've got an RPG coming into your tank, and this thing can actually blow it up before it hits you. Wonderful stuff. From the front page mag, just the title, Israel to, oh yeah, I I was talking about that, Israel to arm Apache helicopters with its own spike missiles. Forgot I included that, but I read the article, and I thought, I'm not going to go through the whole long article. Go read it yourself. It's very interesting. It describes everything about the missile technology. Wonderful stuff. From Ynet. Abbas, no Palestinian statehood without Hamas reconciliation. You know this has been going on. You've got the PAs over here. You've got Hamas over here, and they've been trying to reconcile, okay? And um, I'll tell you something about that uh, before I get into the next category, but let me read you this. Uh, Fakistinian President Abbas gave an interview to Egyptian TV in anticipation of the arrival of the Fakistinian Authority government to Gaza for the purpose of applying its sovereignty over the Strip. 
there can be no Fakistinian state. This is him speaking. This is Abbas speaking without completing reconciliation and unity. The government has returned to Gaza to carry out its duties. We have ideological differences with Hamas, but we can't deny the fact that they're a part of the Fakistinian people. The day will come when we achieve an independent Fakistinian state. Here's his last comment, but it won't be soon. All of this peace process we're working on, they need to check with the players because until this issue is resolved, it ain't going to happen. Here's our last article, and I'll explain it from the Jerusalem Post. In this round of reconciliation talks, when the, uh, uh, what is it, Fatah went over to talk with Hamas, okay, in this round, Hamas is the great victor. Now, everybody thinks that it was Fatah and Abbas that was the victor on this. They weren't. I'm going to tell you what, Hamas had established a council in order to upset Abbas, and the only thing that came out of this agreement was that the council will be destroyed. But in addition to that, the Fatah has now agreed to pay all of their electricity again, which they had cut off. They've agreed to pay all of these other things. They lost in a big way. And if you want to understand this, because it's a very long article, go read that. I'll read it again so you can look for it online. Jerusalem Post, in this round of reconciliation talks, Hamas is the great victor. And you will understand what is going on between these two factions, which live on both sides of Israel, and why Hamas, who is the one that is They're all determined to destroy Israel, but Hamas is the one that has all of the arms. They're the ones that are digging the tunnels. They're the ones that are out there killing Jews by as many as they can and bragging about it. This guy Abbas, you know, in closed doors, he's certainly bragging about it, but to the face of Israel, he always says, we condemn this attack. And But Hamas is the one that doesn't condemn anything. They just come after these people. So read that article and you will understand what's going on. From our Christian News Today, Jerusalem Post Christian leader, this just upsets me so much reading this. Christian leader, he's not a leader. Okay, let me tell you that right now. He calls to stop proselytizing Jews. This is like the John Hagee syndrome from over in Texas. This guy is doing it in Israel. Founder of Ha Yovel says agreeing with replacement theology. What he's got, he's got this confused thinking in his head that replacement theology, which says that the church replaced Israel, is what's taught throughout Christianity, and it's not. This church teaches dispensationalism. Israel is Israel, the church is the church, and the two are not the same. We didn't replace Israel, but Israel needs Jesus. Hence, watch the Yom Kippur sermon, and you will see this. You'll have to get through two more sermons to get to the end of it and understand what's going on, but I will assure you that you will understand the state of the world and why the Jews need Jesus. But here we go. We'll read this. Um, He uh, says replacement theology is disagreeing with God. Well, I'd agree with that. Replacement theology is, but proselytizing the Jews is not. That's what we're called to do, is to proselytize all people, including the covenant people, Israel, who desperately need to turn to their Savior. All right, Christians around the world must stop trying to proselytize the Jews, said the founder of a nonprofit which brings thousands of Christian volunteers to help Jewish farmers in Judea and Samaria. Just 10 days before the High Holy Day of Yom Kippur, which has now passed, the holiest day on the Jewish calendar, Tommy Waller sent out a video saying that Christian-Jewish relations have changed and they must continue to change. He says, I would like to appeal to my Christian brothers and sisters, please stop any missionary attempt to take away Jewish identity from those people whom God chose to carry his name. No identity is being stolen. They're becoming completed Jews by calling on Christ. This guy is insane, okay? We'll go on. He says, in the video, Waller who founded Yahovel in 2005, said that any agreement with replacement theology, which I don't agree with, is a disagreement with God. 
who identifies himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as the God of Israel. And then it says, Paul of Tarsus, okay, it's going in from the uh, article again. This is a Jewish article. Paul of Tarsus. He's never called Paul of Tarsus in the book of Acts. He's called Saul of Tarsus. But they have changed the name Saul, where it's recorded there, to Paul, because when you say Paul, you suddenly think he's a Christian and he's anti-Jewish, when he was, in fact, the Jew of Jews. Read his biography in the New Testament, and he'll tell you his qualifications. He is the Jew of Jews. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews, and a, he was a Pharisee among the leading people of Israel. But they changed the terminology from the Old Testament, call him Paul of Tarsus, became one of the first known missionaries preaching the new religion, which it isn't, it's the fulfilled religion, to the peoples of Asia Minor and Greece. I would like to say to the Jews, please forgive me and forgive my forefathers, this is that guy again, I'm quoting him, for the horrible crimes they committed against you, he said in the video, as if all Christians are bad because of what happened to the Jews. He's just taking everybody and he's lumping them incorrectly into these giant category mistakes. All right, Waller continued his video saying that Ha Yovel is committed to purposefully raising up a new generation of Christians who firmly agree with God's choosing and renounce the shameful teaching of replacement theology. And he's renouncing the very last words of Jesus in the book of Matthew, which says, go and make disciples, and that includes the people of Israel, right? He says, I challenge all Christians this year to replace replacement theology with a new restoration mandate. He is a theologically messed up person. He does not understand what is going on in the world today. From the Washington Times, Trump cuts Obama's refugee target in half. Takes more Christians than Muslims. Good job. President Trump, in just eight months in office, has succeeded in upending U.S. foreign refugee policy, cutting more than half of the 110,000 target that Obama had bequeathed him and dramatically shifting the demographics of who is accepted. Gone is Obama's overwhelming focus on Muslims and particularly on Syrians fleeing a civil war that his admin facilitated. Under Mr. Trump, the rate of Syrian refugees has been cut by more than 80%, and Christians have overtaken Muslims and total refugees resettled. It's impossible to escape the clear message that there is a new sheriff in town. The Trump changes have reverberated around the globe, with the UNHCR drastically cutting the number of refugee candidates that it submits to the U.S. They figure, what's the point? After recommending nearly 35,000 refugee candidates last year, the UNHCR submitted just 3,591 applications from January to July. Refugee advocates say that the U.S. is relinquishing its global leadership and moral standing and have challenged parts of the admin's policy in the courts, pushing the country to move back towards the goals set by Obama. The previous president called for up to 110,000 refugees to be admitted in 2017 and indicated that he wanted Syrians to be a large part of that. And they were, as we saw last year, they were, Syria is 10% Christian and they brought in less than 1%, actually about 1% of 1% of Christians. It was an agenda set by our previous president. That is ending. As of Tuesday afternoon, with four days left in the fiscal year, which is obviously last week, the government had admitted slightly more than 53,000 refugees, so that's about half of what was budgeted. Less than half of his goal, but slightly more than Trump wanted. Perhaps the bigger impact was within the demographic breakdown, where Muslims dropped from nearly one-half under Obama to slightly more than one-third. Christians, meanwhile, went from 43 to 53 percent under Trump. Good job. 
from the Telegraph. I like this guy less every week. And I hate to say that about somebody that calls himself a Christian, but I, I, you, I've got another article for you next week probably on him. Justin Welby, the, uh, uh, he's the Church of England big bigwig. Justin Welby, boy wearing a dress to school is not a problem. Uh. Speaking on LBC radio with the most senior cleric in the Church of England, said he would tell a concerned parishioner that they should help their child understand. You're not helping him at all. You're screwing him up. He said, I would say to them, I don't think that's a problem. The other family are making up their own minds. The other child is making up their own mind. Talk to your child. Help them to understand. Help them to see what's going on and to be faithful to their own convictions. In other words, your boy wants to be a girl. He needs to be faithful to that. Okay? The archbishop also said that he had been struggling with the question, Wait till you hear what he has next week if I report on it. It's just unreal what he said a day ago. Goes on, I make a point of not commenting on particular cases because you just never know the whole story. Well, sure you do. They've been pushing this agenda on. You've seen how many times they pushed this in English schools in the past six months. How many dozens of articles I've reported on what they're doing over there. And they're messing up children's minds. The archbishop was responding to a question about Christian parents who have removed their six-year-old son from a primary school on the Isle of Wight because of a classmate who dressed in boys' and girls' clothes. So, And this guy won't say, we need to stop this. He won't make a stand for proper Christian moral ethics, and he's in charge of the Church of England, which used to be one of the greatest churches on this planet. It sent missionaries around the world. You read the old commentators of the people, the, the, the 17 and 1800 commentators were the finest minds in theology. They understood nuances of the Bible that people are still evaluating today, and that's all gone. You know, they used to have, when they were commissioned, in the Church of England, they would put this in their hands of the, the person being ordained, and they would say, this is the word of God. And they'd make a proclamation over it and say that this is your marching orders. This is what you need to be preaching and teaching and telling people about. They don't even teach this anymore. Mm-hmm. It's all just it's all just humanistic theology. They don't present one of these to their new people. They have homosexual bishops and deacons, and they don't kick them out of the denomination. It's terrible. Terrible what's happened to the Church of England. From Islam today. I entitled this chessboard from Al Arabiya, Iranian Foreign Minister Zarif to visit Qatar amid Gulf crisis. The Iranians are visiting Qatar. Remember, they're linked now, and they're getting more linked. Iranian Foreign Minister Zarif will visit Qatar for talks on relations between Tehran and Doha that have caused tensions in the Gulf. It will be his first visit to Doha since Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, the UAE, and Egypt cut ties with Qatar in June, accusing it of backing extremism and fostering ties with Iran. Zarif is to meet Qatar's Emir Sheikh Tamim and Qatari Foreign Minister Sheikh Mohammed. Speaking in Paris, Sheikh Mohammed said, moves by Qatar's rivals, including the cutting of trade and transport links, were actually pushing Doha into closer ties with Tehran. They accused Qatar of being close to Iran, but with their measure... They push Qatar towards Iran. They are giving Qatar like a gift to Iran. Well, that's what they're saying, but we'll keep going, and you'll start to see a little more of what's going on on this chessboard and how it's lining up with the Bible. Al-Arabiya again, Libyan army. Libyan army, remember. Russia, Turkey, Iran, which is Persia, okay, Libya, right? All of these people are coming against Israel in Gog Magog, okay? And we've got Qatar, who's somehow involved in this all of a sudden. Al-Arabiya, Libyan army, 
Qatar transports armed ISIS militants from Syria to Libya. They're making an alliance with Iran, or they've been working on it all along, kind of covertly, and now it's become public, right? And now we find out that they're sending people down to Libya, another player in Gog Magog. Okay, Libyan Armed Forces spokesman Colonel Ahmed al-Mesmari said that ISIS and branches of the Muslim Brotherhood. Who was behind the Muslim Brotherhood for the past eight years? Absolutely. They had unrestricted access to the White House of the United States. You look at the sign-in log there. They've published it again and again. They go in anytime they want. He supported Muslim Brotherhood overthrow of Egypt. Egypt rebelled against that and put them all in jail, and now we have somebody that is more aligned with Israel and with Saudi Arabia and the other people. So you can see that this was all orchestrated by our previous president getting into Syria and then causing trouble and getting out so that we could have this catastrophe. He's done this deal with Iran, and we went through all that that was involved in. For two years, we've talked about it, and now we see that these players are actually lining up now with Libya. Okay, it says... um, Muslim Brotherhood affiliated to Al-Qaeda have joined forces to spread extremism in Libya. Qatar is transporting armed ISIS militants from Syria to Libya. Also, Qatar's financial support for terrorist organizations in Libya persists. The colonel also revealed information on an organized meeting between the head of the Libyan National Army, Khalifa Haftar, who I have reported on at least four times, is working with Russia the head of Gog Magog. Remember, he went up to Russia. They went down there. They're opening that base down there under this guy's authority. Everything is lining up exactly, exactly as Ezekiel 38 says. It is astonishing. Our brother Bill said, or no, it was the guy that was playing the guitar earlier today, so I don't think it's going to be long. I don't think it's going to be long either. I mean, this is this is coming to fruition before our very eyes. Go on. It says, Khalifa Hiftar and UN Special Envoy to Libya, Gasman Salmeh, He also said that many young men left the Houthi militia, Houthi, down in Yemen, and joined the Libyan National Army after ISIS and al-Qaeda were exterminated in Benghazi. The Houthis are aligned with Iranians. They're Shiites. All of this is coming into play. All of it. Our previous president had his fingers all over it, organizing these things, and now it's coming out into the open. Again, Al-Arabiya, Iranian-Iraqi government forces to hold joint border drills. You think Kurdistan was just a little thing that doesn't affect the world? Let me tell you what, it does. Remember last week, they've joined their power supply transmission wires. Now they're having joint drills together. Iraq is not mentioned in Gog Magog. Why? Because it falls under Persia. Iran is now becoming their de facto leader. We have exactly what the Bible said was coming. Okay, we'll go on. Iranian Iraqi central government forces are to hold joint military exercises near their borders as part of Tehran's effort to support Baghdad after the Kurdish independence referendum. State TV quoted a military spokesman as saying the decision to hold the war games was taken at a meeting of Iranian military commanders, which also agreed on measures to establish border security and receive Iraqi forces that are to be stationed at border posts. They're linked at the hip now. The maneuver will be held within the coming days in the northwest Iran near the Iraqi-Kurdish border region. Kurdistan is something they do not want. And this is all coming into play because they made that independence vote, just like Catalan did in Spain. Why is Catalan a big deal? Because if they they have voted to break away from Spain. If they do, that means that the EU can fall apart because anybody can break away from whatever government is there and they can say we're no longer a part of the EU. 
So if Poland, which doesn't like the policies of sending these migrants up there, and they're, they've got Catholics all around the borders of Poland praying against these people coming into their country. Just read that this morning, okay? So they don't want these refugees. So all they have to do is they have to have another government take over the one that's there and say, we are a different government and we want out of the EU. That's why Catalan is such a huge, important thing that's going on right now. If they allow this, the entire EU can fall apart. But the same thing down in Kurdistan. So it says this meeting was in line with Iran's declared policies of respect for the integrity and preservation of the territorial integrity of Iraq and the request by the Iraqi government for Iran's cooperation for the establishment of central government authority on Iran-Iraq border terminals. Central government authorities becoming one unit, the Persian Empire that Daniel spoke of. Iraqi troops now in Turkey and Iran were expected to start enforcing control over the border crossings out of the Kurdish region on Saturday morning. The Iraqi Defense Ministry did not indicate whether Iraqi forces were to move toward the external border posts controlled by the KRG from the Iranian and Turkish side. They're coming from Iraq. Are they going to come from uh, Turkey? Are they going to come from Iran? What's going to happen with this Kurdistan thing? Need to keep an eye on it because it is a hotbed. And, you know, they're accusing the Mossad in Israel of having organized this vote. We saw how Kurdistan was so happy that Israel stood behind them, that they were flying Israeli flags during this referendum, unbelievably. Well, now everybody's accusing this of being orchestrated by Israel. They're pointing fingers, which can only lead to more trouble. So you can see the chessboard is just being played. From Ynet, Putin visits Ankara. Putin, Gog Magog, Ankara, Turkey, right? Okay. As Russia-Turkey ties deepen. Russian President Putin traveled to Turkey for talks with President Erdogan on Iraq, Syria, and Turkey's decision to purchase a Russian-made missile defense system. Putin's visit comes as Turkey and Russia are deepening ties in a turnaround for the two nations. Russia and Turkey, together with Iran, all three of them right there in that book, are now working on setting up de-escalation zones in Syria that are credited with having helped reduce the fighting. Okay, the alliances are being made. Okay, Mongolian news today from Montsame. Mongolian young chess player becomes a world champion. Little Mongolia, world champion. A Mongolian young chess player, D. Batsu Ren, won a gold medal in the 2017 World Youth Chess Championship held in Mont... It's called Montevideo. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but it's a video. Anyway, Montevideo, Uruguay. Over 400 chess players from 53 countries competed in three age categories, and D. Batsuren became the champion in the category of up to 14-year-olds. Other players took 10th and 12th place. So Mongolia is taking over the world in chess. Good deal. Daniel 12 Technology today from Fox. Athena. It's a laser system that we have developed. Athena laser system kills five outlaws. Okay, we've been testing this, and it killed five outlaw drones. In near-term future battles, the U.S. military can choose to bring laser weapons mounted on vehicles, vessels, and more to war. By comparison, the weapons of any enemy will look like bows and arrows. Athena, which stands for the Advanced Test High Energy Asset, is one of the most exciting of these new laser weapons. During recent testing with the U.S. Army Space and Missile Defense Command at White Sands Missile Range, New Mexico, the 30-kilowatt weapon slayed five outlaw drones with nearly 11-foot wingspans. These weren't little pea shooters. These were big drones. Scoreboard? 
100% success. And just two years ago, Lockheed Martin proved that Athena could also track down a truck by burning through its hood and engine from a mile away. What are the advantages? There are many advantages to bringing laser weapons to war. One of them is that it's very cool. One key, I just made that up. Anyway, one key advantage is unlimited bullets. As long as there is power, Athena would have an unlimited magazine. Another major advantage is speed. Laser weapons like Athena are lethal at the speed of light. They are also silent, invisible, and deadly. Three characteristics very handy for stealth and surprise in the battle space. Athena's beam director and turret are designed to match this so the weapons can fire at 360 degrees. Very cool stuff. I mean, this technology has been going up and up over the past year and a half, as you've seen from Fox News. How Marines are harnessing freeze-dried plasma to save lives. You got freeze-dried potatoes, right? They're not very good. You get freeze-dried eggs, which are even worse. Well, you can get freeze-dried plasma now. And this is something, it's not real new technology, but it is in America because they have it in Europe. It saves some lives, and they said, despite the fact that the FDA has not approved it, we're going to buy it from the Europeans, and our Marines are going to be carrying this. So I thought you might be interested. Just add water. Yep. Blood and water. Starting that's part of our sermon today, by the way. Starting next week, all US Navy Corps men serving with the Marine Corps Forces Special Ops Command overseas will be equipped with freeze-dried blood plasma. Plasma, a mixture of water, sugar, fat, protein, salts, and blood components, including red and white blood cells and platelets, contains proteins that help to deliver nutrients and even medicines while preventing blood vessels from collapsing and clogging. It also contains clotting factors that stop bleeding. Freeze-dried plasma, like other freeze-dried products, is lightweight and requires no refrigeration. Just add water and mix. It's stable in the field, so our guys can carry it with them in their resuscitative packs. And unlike much heavier fresh frozen plasma, which is stored at about minus 4 degrees Fahrenheit and requires a 45-minute thawing process, FDP reconstitutes in roughly 6 minutes. Imagine this guy bleeding out in front of you, and you have to wait 45 minutes because the blood is still cold. Now you just mix it up, wait 6 minutes, and start pouring in into him, okay? And the time saved gives the military more time to transfer wounded patients to a hospital where they can receive full medical care. Very, very cool stuff. Wow. Oh, what a, you know what? Military, the Civil War, I'm going through, um, what's the guy's name? Ken, uh, uh, he does the PBS? Yeah, Burns. Ken, thank you, Burns. I'm going through the Civil War again. On uh, Ken Burns does outstanding work. Yes, it's PBS, and you're going to get a little bit of a slant maybe, but he does outstanding war documentaries. And I started the uh, Civil War uh, series again. The amount of technology that was developed because of war, as tragic as war is, if you pay attention in the battlefield and you learn to use things like this, you can actually save a lot of lives. And, uh, you know, the Civil War was a very, very brutal war on many, many points. But uh, now we're, we're starting to be able to do things that people never would have thought of. Wonderful. Revelation Plagues today from Mail Online. I mentioned this before. It's coming, it's getting worse. Ash tree species in the U.S. pushed to the brink of extinction by invasive beetle known to be a very efficient killer. I've personally seen this up in Massachusetts where I do logging for my father every year up until this year, and then I stop that. But anyway, um, I'm just getting too old for that. But anyway, um, the rampage of the emerald ash borer in the United States is traced to the late 1990s. It arrived from Asia in wood used in shipping pallets that showed up in Michigan. 
Asian trees have evolved defenses against the bug, but those of the U.S. have not. We are losing our entire crop of ash trees. No more ash baseball bats, folks. Um, scientists now say five species of ash in the United States are on the brink of extinction. Forests have been reduced to ash. I made that up, too. Little pun there. Okay, uh, Market Watch. The World Health Organization warns the world is running out of antibiotics. Not only are they ineffective, we're running out of them. The UN Health Agency has aired its concerns without antibiotic resistance, which makes it more difficult to treat infections for some time. Some of the group's latest moves included updating guidelines for treating sexually transmitted infections, cautioning that just three antibiotics are being developed to treat gonorrhea, but the latest World Health Organization report takes a broad and perspective look at antibiotic development, and what it describes is not a pretty picture. Now, remember, if the tribulation period starts tomorrow, you're going to have to go through it without all of this technology that we had, which is now obsolete because of these strains that are mutating. All right? it's, it's a scary place the world's going to be, so if you don't know Jesus, you need to get on the, the ball. Public health officials have long been concerned about antibiotic resistance, which occurs when bacteria mutate and become immune to a given antibiotic. Overuse or incorrect use of antibiotics are a key contributing factor, as is antibiotic use in animals that are then consumed by humans. We fill our animals full of it so they don't get sick. We eat those, and then we become immune. If you don't finish your course of antibiotics, your body develops an immunity. Then you pass that on to somebody else, and it gets it, it, it mutates. And the next thing you know, it doesn't work anymore. And that's what we're facing. All right, of 51 new products in development for antibiotic-resistant infections, only eight are innovative and add value to current options. And because drug development is a drawn-out process, most of it unsuccessful, current events could result in only about 10 new approvals in the next five years. Bad news. Morality today. From the Washington Free Beacon, the feds spend 100, and this is your tax dollars, folks, $138,000 asking four-year-olds about their internal sense of gender identity. Four-year-olds. A grant for a two-year study was awarded to the University of Washington this summer, which doesn't surprise me at all. The uh, project will interview 250 children aged four to six and their parents asking a series of questions about gendered behavior. The University of Washington received $138,000 for the project in July. This is why we need our president, because he is cutting this type of stuff out. I, you know, I wish that he could just line that out. I don't, do we still have line item veto? No, we do. One says no. Okay, no, we don't. Okay, I've got the uh, Republican committee chairman of the universe over here, and he says no. So that's why this nonsense is in our budget. Okay, it says the uh, study will continue through June 2019, a whole year of studying four-year-olds. Two researchers at the university are leading the study. Both are included with the school's trans youth project. So the school has a trans youth project over there, a longitudinal study of gender development and mental health of transgender children. The Trans Youth Project was featured in the Katie Couric documentary for Nat Geo Gender Revolution. Our current research, you see, this is just being pushed on us from every angle. Our current research study is recruiting children aged 3 to 12 who are transgender, gender nonconforming, and siblings of gender nonconforming children, the website for the project states. Give us federal money and we'll make up something crazy. Telegraph. Stupidly PC society is the death of comedy, warns veteran comedian Mel Brooks. 
If anybody has ever seen the Mel Brooks video, you know that this man knows what he's talking about. Or he should say movie, not video. He has done some of the funniest movies in the history of the universe, and he's done some of the most politically incorrect ever. If you've ever seen Blazing Saddles, you know what I'm talking about. Wow. Anyway, I, and I know pretty much every line to that movie. I've seen it hundreds of times, and uh, I don't know if I could watch it anymore since becoming a Christian, but when I was young, I, I, I remember seeing it when I was about four. It was in the newspaper. Remember you used to open the newspaper and the movies were on one section. You'd say, what are the movies? And there's Blazing Saddles and there's this Indian with his thing writing back and uh, you know and I thought I want to see that it looks so cool and it said R well I never got to see it but eventually I started seeing you know on these reruns and stuff every and the thing is like you watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off I saw it a million times on TV right and on TV I had no idea how perverse that movie is because they cut it all out I watched it on video one time and I watched it for about 12 minutes and I had to turn the thing off I absolutely. I mean, it's such a good movie on TV, but wow, I'm ooh, terrible on video because it's got all the non-cut-out stuff. Anyway, we'll go on. Um, Mel Brooks said PC was becoming a stranglehold on comedians, which I don't know how you can say anything anymore, anything without getting in trouble, right? People with beards are handsome. It's uh, not good for comedy. Comedy has to walk a thin line, take risks. Comedy is the lecherous little elf whispering in the king's ear, always telling the truth about human behavior, which it is. The producer and director said that his iconic Western parody, Blazing Saddles, could not be made in today's political climate. No doubt about that. The 1974 comedy, Western, starring Cleavon Little and Gene Wilder, featured a black sheriff in a racist town. Brooks said it was the racial prejudice portrayed within the film that was the mechanism behind its cultural significance. Without that, the movie would not have had nearly the significance, the force, the dynamism, and the stakes that were contained in it. Among his many credits, something I did not know about this man, Brooks is one of only 12 people to have scooped up an Emmy, a Grammy, and an Academy Award, and a Tony. He's won all of them. Yeah. The mom's favorite movie in the world is... High anxiety. See back there? And the scene, I'm telling you what, the scene where, this is the funniest part of the entire movie is the guy is, um, he asks the bellboy when he goes to the, the, you know, uh, what is it, Los Angeles? Yeah, but anyway, he asks the bellboy for a newspaper. And he says, okay, I'll get it for you. And then he turns around and he says, and don't forget the paper. And he goes, okay, you know, like he's a little irritated. And then a couple minutes later, the guy goes, bing, he says, hey, whatever your name is, don't forget, don't forget the paper, don't forget the So he's finally getting so upset about this paper. High Anxiety is based on, um, what's his name, Alfred Hitchcock movies. They're all Alfred Hitchcock movies and the little clips of them. It is a masterpiece of taking somebody's work and making it funny. So this one scene, he's got the newspaper and it's, Anybody seen Psycho, you know, the shower scene where the lady gets stabbed to death? He went through every single angle, every single angle, just like the Psycho movie, the, that shower head, the feet, the water going down with the soap, everything exactly like it. And then you see this dark figure coming through the, uh, the uh, shower curtain, and it opens up, and the guy goes, here, take the paper, and he starts stabbing him with it, just like a knife. And he's, he's just stabbing him. Mom is laughing so hard every time she sees this. Finally, he falls down. His head is on the, uh, the, the tub. And the guy takes the paper and he throws it down on him. And he says, happy now? Happy now? Are you happy now? And he walks out. And Mel Brooks, you think he's dead. And then he opens his eyes and he goes, that kid gets no tip. Uh, He took the most brutal scene in the history of the world and made it funny. Anyway, that's all over now. Okay, our other category. From the Washington Post, 
White House. Now is not the time to talk about gun control. But if you look to Chicago, hello, I mean, we've got this anti-gun agenda going on, and all we need to do is think the issue through. Next article, Fox. Gun control in Europe is almost total. It hasn't stopped mass shooting attacks like Las Vegas. You got to think things through, people. If they take away your guns, you got nothing to defend yourself with. Breitbart, former Google employee engineering his own artificial intelligence religion. Now, before I read you this article, I will tell you that this will work. It is going to work. Think of the end times. Think of artificial intelligence and people coming to a religion and saying, this is our God. Okay? Why do I know this is going to work? Because we have something called Scientology that L. Ron Hubbard made up. And before he made it up, he said he was, a, he was the most published author in the history of the world. Right? And he wrote... Uh, novels, space novels and stuff. And he said, I am tired of working for a penny a word. He didn't make any money of it. He says the real money is in religion. And so he made up a religion and people follow it, even though he told him in advance what he was going to do. This is going to work and this is end time stuff here. Listen to this. Former Google engineer Anthony Lewandowski is emerging from the shadow of a self-driving lawsuit, self-driving lawsuit to create a robot god. His newly founded Way of the Future organization exists to develop and promote the realization of a godhead based on artificial intelligence and through understanding and worship of the godhead contribute to the betterment of society. Author and futurist Yuval Noah Harari expressed his firm belief in the inevitability of religion's own evolution. He believes ideas like this are a logical product of the times in which we live. Founding chair of the Christian Transhumanist Association, Christopher Benick, admitted that the church does a terrible job of reaching out to Silicon Valley types. In an age ruled by the meteoric rise of technology, deity or not, that is a truly massive oversight. But Benick will not accept that artificial intelligence must be an alternative to Christ. Rather, that is an Another gift of what he believes is humanity's God-given intellect. Artificial intelligence can participate in Christ's redemptive processes. Former transhumanist presidential candidate Zoltan Isvan believes God and artificial intelligence may not be separate in the first place. He sees the potential God as the most powerful of all singularities, a being that has certainly already become pure, organized intelligence and spans the universe through subatomic manipulation of physics. You don't think this is going to go somewhere? You are wrong. This is end times, revelation, probably chapter 13 stuff. This is, this is it right here. Okay, next article to refute that this will actually have any real bearing, but it will, it will follow suit. Every time I bring up an article like this last one, People always get upset, but I'm going to read it anyway. <laughs> Mail online. Researchers claim, we've got uh, prophecy people in the world that claim that this is uh, a digital world or that this is a matrix or that the, all of that kind of stuff, okay? People that I respect, but they have a wrong view of what God has done. Here we go. Um, researchers claim to have found proof that we are not living in a simulation. The matrix is not true, folks. It's a question that has persisted in science fiction and philosophical discussion alike. Are we living in a computer simulation? Scientists have long argued both sides of the theory, with some even suggesting 
that if we did live in a simulated reality, we'd never know the truth. But now a new study could finally put the debate to rest. Theoretical physicists have discovered that it is impossible, that's M with the possible at the end, okay, by principle to simulate a quantum phenomenon that occurs in metals and ultimately something as complex as the entire universe. In a new study published to the journal Science Advances, the team from the University of Oxford and Hebrew University used a technique known as Monte Carlo simulation to investigate a phenomenon said to be gravitational anomaly. The effect called thermal hall conductance can be seen in systems with high magnetic fields and low temperatures. But in their work, the researchers found that the simulation is unable to capture a system with gravitational anomalies, such as the quantum Hall effect. As the number of particles required for the simulation increased, the researchers found the simulation itself becomes far more complex. Think of what God has done, and we're trying to make it into something simple. It doesn't work that way. God is infinitely wise. But if the particles increased in a linear way, the number of computational resources to simulate the system would have to as well. For a system twice as long, for example, the number of required resources, including processors and memory, would have to double. But if the system grew exponentially, this effect would be far more extreme. To store the information of a few hundred electrons on a computer, listen to this, the simulation would require memory built from more atoms than exist in the universe. Okay? The researchers note, our work provides an intriguing link between the two seemingly unrelated topics, gravitational anomalies and computational complexity. Think of the marvel of our creator that could do these things and stumps us every step of the way. And we say, oh, well, let's talk about, what is it, gravitational anomalies? And next thing we know, oh, that disproves something we've been trying to put out in the world. So, so much for your artificial intelligence religion, but people will still follow it because they follow Scientology. Okay? From New Now Next, just the title. U.S. votes against U.N. ban on death penalty for homosexuality. We were joined by Iraq, Qatar, and Saudi Arabia. Okay, what they're trying to do in this particular article, and I went to many websites that took the same thing and they posted it on there. So these are homosexual websites and they said, we have voted against death penalty for homosexuality like all these other nations that, you know, are anti-homosexual. This is completely a false flag. This is a thing that was promoted in the United Nations and it did pass, but we voted against it. Homosexuality was one little part of this, okay? The idea is that it is anti-religion, and they are instituting this so that if you are a religious body and you say anything against homosexuality, you are suddenly on the outs, right? So it is the exact same thing that they tried to do with the Equal Rights Amendment back in the 1970s. Oh, women deserve equal rights. Well, guess what? The entire amendment was filled with stuff that nobody wanted, and nobody read it. All they say is women needs the same rights as men, and we need to put this in the Constitution without seeing that that amendment actually brought in everything that we're facing in the world today. Homosexual issues, everything. They wanted it back then. It didn't work, so what did they do? They're coming in under, and they're pushing it through the UN. So, you got to read the whole article before you post something like this on Facebook. And secondly, it's not true anyway. Read articles, make sure you understand what's going on before you post it to Facebook, because this was a friend that posted it on Facebook, and I said, this is a complete false flag. They're trying to make it look like one thing when it's a totally separate issue, which affects your ability to be a free uh, practicing religion 
of whatever religion. And I don't care. I mean, you can go practice Islam, you can practice Christianity, you can practice whatever you want, but you need to be free to do it. Once they get their hooks in the, the door, it's all over. That's right. It's all over. So anyway, let me read you a Lesserick this week. This is from his wife, Kathy. The Israelis gave, give proof of their claim that the temple was built for the name. Will the arch removed out that they should on the mount or will ignorance win all the same? My guess is with UNESCO, ignorance will win. So, uh, okay, at the end of uh, the video today that I post later, make sure that you click on the link to Sergio and Rhoda's travel video. We were not able to see it in church today because we had our guests, but um, uh, it, it is about Yom Kippur, which happens to be the subject of our sermon, So, because it was Yom Kippur there, and so we did a Yom Kippur video. I hope that you'll watch that travel video. And before I go, I would like to say to the people on the Prophecy Update, because they don't normally see our opening comments, our opening comments are posted on YouTube along with all of our other videos, and today we have opening comments from two missionaries that need support as they go out into the mission field. They will explain what they need and why they need it, and I would ask that if you watch the Prophecy Update, you would take the five minutes and watch their video and understand their need and help them if you can. Okay, This is something that is uh, important to them. They're giving up their lives in Sarasota, Florida, which has been their whole life here, to do this. And so please watch that video, and uh, we pray that they are blessed in their new uh, mission work, You know, honoring and serving the Lord through it. And then uh, finally, I have an irony of the week for you, and we'll be done. This is from Mail Online. Iowa preschool teacher fired for showing up to work drunk arise for her court appearance drunk. Yes, there you go. So such is the world we live in. And so from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.